routine extraordinaire, Freakazoid, Freakazoid, hangs around in underwear, Freakazoid, Freakazoid. Welcome to another episode of Link to the Cast. I am your party host, Dave Ryan, joined by a giggly Brian McNamara, the P- RPG Vunderkin. Oh, Brian, stop. how are you? Oh, stop, stop. <laughs> just, that's been the best intro yet, man. Has it? Just, oh, I spoke right to my soul. <laughs> So yeah, we're back for another week of Link to the Cast. I have to apologise for the the lengthy absence in between episodes. I was dying of the flu last week. Couldn't really speak for more than a couple of seconds without coughing. We'll see how long I can go. As of this morning anyway, it was kind of like a cough every couple of minutes or so. So we'll see how we do. I'll try not to cough directly into the microphone (laughs) and transmit flu over the internet, which is how I'm led to believe it happens. Um, but yeah, no, completely dying on my arse all last weekend. You were witness to this. I didn't go into work. I didn't go into college, which like, you know, the former I was a bit kind of sad about and kind of like disappointed that I was like, oh, I don't want to let people down. You know, I, I definitely want to go in and teach if I physically can. You love to The other side teach. of things, I was just like, the fuck am I going into college for a weekend? Whoa. <laughs> Even though I was Let's. dying, I still looked on the bright side of that. Let's hope no one important on your course is like oh that young David fella he does a podcast oh I listened to that no I think it was like I was legitimately sick but I was just like I was less sad about one than the other that I was missing <laughs> let's just you know put it that way um, so yeah we've had a bit of a week a couple of things have happened um, I think first and foremost the thing that we've been like singularly preoccupied with since Friday morning uh, of last week Marvel's Jessica Jones uh, kind of all Jessica. the episodes, all thirteen episodes came out uh, on the one day. I, I do love this Netflix As model. To do like they did with Daredevil earlier in the year, and like which Drew with, like, Goddard does not like apparently. What Drew Goddard, um, like. screenwriter, uh, creative advisor for Marvel Netflix. That yeah. not a big fan of the whole. Is it him that's doing Strange? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's the dude who did, dude who did Sinister that's yeah. doing Strange. No, I was, I was reading an interview in, what was it, Empire or something like that with him, and um, yeah, he was saying, like, you know, he's saying it makes it kind of tricky in the screenwriter thing because you don't want to have, like, a 13-part long story. You want to have episodic. You want to have start, middles, and end episodes. He was, I think he was one of the screenwriters on Daredevil. And um, I was kind of like, you know, well, it's fair enough. I, I enjoy watching episodes, you know, but all at once. Yeah. Like what I the way I see about the kind of the, the Netflix model of dumping everything at once is that it gives you the opportunity if you want to space them out, watch a couple at a time or watch mm. one at a time. So that gives you that freedom. The one thing I do hate is like with with some shows, like shows I used to be absolutely gripped on, um, having to wait a week sometimes is yeah. fucking horrible. Can't do that. And it's it's the surest way to lose my attention sometimes. I think the show we always come back to is Supernatural. We're both big fans of Supernatural. It's, that show is not set up to be watched week on week. Yeah. Not it's, for me anyway. You see, the thing is, the problem with the week on week is when they drop the ball in an episode or there's a soft or a filler episode. Well, well we call it the, the Monster of the Week episodes on yeah. Supernatural. The ones that aren't heavy on the over, the big arc for the... And then let's say there's one or two of them in a row and next you're like, oh, I'll, I'll watch it, I'll do a thing and I'll, I'll, I'll watch it later and that like, and then next you know what happened to me was next you know it's the end of the season and you're kind of just like oh to, uh, girl, watch just to catch up uh, Drew Goddard uh, credited writer on Buffy Angel Alias Lost uh, Cabin in the Woods Daredevil Sinister Six yeah so that's yeah, well, he's that's good sinister, let's just say that Sinister Six might be might get scrubbed off there uh, before long we don't know um but yeah, so Jessica Jones, you're uh, you finished it now? Oh, you? I finished it. I like I took my time. I binged a bit, but I took my time and watched it over the course of the weekend. Yeah, so good. Uh, I watched it all by Saturday afternoon. So good. It's very very good. 
I'm putting it out there. I'm saying I said it on Twitter over the weekend at Dave Ryan IV. Give us a follow. Uh, I said it better than Daredevil. Yep, better than Daredevil. Yep. Um, the one thing, and this was something I had at least started to talk about. I don't know if I finished the conversation. I have this terrible habit of assuming I've replied to conversations and not necessarily having done so. <laughs> I've prepared the answer in my head and then fucked off. Uh, we were. I was talking on Facebook to friend of the show Keith Brony, and he was really enjoying it. But he was let down by the final episode. And uh, by the way, there's going to be no spoilers here. No. Um, and the one thing in kind of listening to his thoughts on it, the one thing I will say is that the final episode didn't have that one epically cool moment. Like the, um, and again, not to spoil the end, the last episode, Daredevil, but it has pretty much everything from the Good Samaritan speech on mm. towards the end is like amazingly badass. Whereas like kind of, what the finale of Jessica Jones is like it was more about the journey the finale of Jessica Jones is all about like tying everything up nicely Mm. Um, like there is drama there is suspense to it but it's certainly not the best episode of the season no but then I would say more so than Daredevil I found Jessica Jones to be a package experience yeah um, well, it's much more of a character study as well yeah like which you know uh, like you can it's hard to isolate a single episode as you know um when it is styled that way, yeah, the the one with Luke Cage with the the bar fight. Yeah, like the what I wanted to say about it, um, the the kind of way I wanted to. It's TV gym, it but not as we know it. It's it's yeah, it's TV gym, but not as we know it. It's also the MCU gym, but not as we know it. Because like yeah. you got to remember that this fits in is supposed to at least fit into the broader Marvel cinematic and television universe. Um, it's certainly closer to Daredevil than anything else. Um, mm. but it's not even Daredevil. it's the same settings but like it's like I said to you uh, from the reviews I read and from the early impressions I had um, it's not a superhero show at all it's a dark and grim oh we'll get to the grimness (laughs) but it's it's a dark grim uh, feminist psychological thriller yeah uh, where I think I, I was counting on like four of the six main characters in that show four of the six most important characters are women which is awesome Especially for like a comic book franchise that yeah. is very fucking rare, and they're really good female characters. Like, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, they're so well developed and everything, and they're much more important to the story than one of the two men. Anyway, not so much Tenant. Tenant is very integral to the story, but like two of all the three four, men. all four of the main women are more important than Luke Cage, for example. Oh yeah, you know what I mean. Um, but yeah, it's incredible. It's an incredible bit of television. It tackle it's tackles uh, adult it's unflinching. Themes. Adult oh, themes. Adult themes. Uh, it, this, it was a, a battle cry of ours while we were watching it. Um, it tackles adult themes in a really considered and grown up and mature and serious way without necessarily completely dragging you down. Yeah. Um, the grimness. Oh, the grimness. It gets so much darker than anything I've ever seen in the MCU. Like, it's the first. David Tennant as uh, Kilgrave, uh, the purple man, is by far the most terrifying villain in the whole Marvel Cinematic Universe I can't think of any like any one of them before that has made me get chills like they're that creepy like the closest some elements in the early teasers of Ultron but then when you actually see Age of Ultron and he's actually quite witty at the same time kind of demystifies that it doesn't he's not half as creepy in the movie as he was say in the first trailer where they just had the creepy they just yeah they, they just had the creepy um 
So yeah, like he's brilliant. Tenant nearly, nearly, but doesn't quite steal the show. The only reason he doesn't steal the show is because Kristen Ritter is so fucking oh. good as Jessica Jones, and that the dude playing Luke Cage is really good as Luke Cage. Like, everybody is so good. Your man who plays uh, Simpson, I think he, yeah. oh, stand, stand, Carrie Ann Moss, Carrie Moss, a flawless. Yeah. Um, I I was actually thinking about this, and I wanted to put. I this just remember that line we had watching it, where we were talking about her, like, uh, and she, like, obviously people would know her as Trinity from the Matrix movie, and I said, like, oh, you remember the Matrix, Brian, the films that made and killed her career. <laughs> um, but yeah, you were going to say. And then I said Memento, and you said you didn't remember that one. Yeah. Right. Um, I I was thinking about this a lot, like, and I wanted to kind of put it forward to you, um. Like, in terms of the whole, like, MCU and comic book uh, superheroes in general, hugely grossing, you know, franchises and uh, projects in film and TV, and, like, you know, critically acclaimed in a lot of regards, particularly the Marvel Netflix stuff. We're going to see Emmy noms for uh, Jessica Jones, you think? It's the one. It's the it's the one. If if it's gonna happen, it's gonna be this. And not like I suppose deliberately, but also not deliberately. Like it plays down the superhero stuff as not being as important as the actual the human element to it all. Yeah, like I mean, because it's it's not like you know what I mean. Like it is a pretty badass part of it when it does come into it, but at the same time, like it is all about like relationships and trauma and loss and trauma. So much trauma. So much profound trauma. Um. But it, like as a thorough recommendation, it should. It certainly should because I can think of very few, if any, pieces of television I watched this year. Well, actually, certainly on the drama side, I can't really think of anything. That has would close to will they put it in as drama? And will they try and say, "Oh, it's something else"? It'd be drama. like it'd be. It'd probably be under miniseries, like you know, yeah. like True Detective was last yeah. year. Uh, but like that's what I'm thinking. Like of in terms of like serious miniseries drama, I've watched this year. I can't think of that. Like, I watched your detective that wasn't nearly as good as season one, and it's certainly not as good as Jessica Jones. Um, I can't think of anything except maybe Daredevil, <laughs> you know. And I, because because he ends up in the suit in Daredevil, like you know what I mean. Uh, because it's a, inherently a bit more superhero-y. Yeah, I it's more think. comic booky. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some cool stuff. They also laid off one of the the criticisms I had of Daredevil at the time. One of the things they laid off in this was the constant bludgeoning references <laughs> to the events of the Avengers. Yeah. Like, oh my god! Like, I, you know, in one respect, obviously, people are going to be talking about, you know, normal humans are going to be talking about the events of the Avengers a lot because it's mad fucked up that aliens came through a hole in the sky yeah. and tried to destroy New York, and then a bunch of freaks came out of nowhere <laughs> and destroyed them. Yeah, that's going to be a talking point around the water cooler for a while. But at the same time, after a while, you're like, Jesus, we get it. There's just, like, constant references and, you know, like, some of the Easter eggs are really cool in it. They're really well done. But at the same time, I was like, yeah, a few people saw the Avengers. Remember, it made $11 billion. Like, I found, and kind of another kind of interesting contrast was, I found that um, with Daredevil, like, okay, we, we keep referencing the Avengers, but, oh, my God, some dude in a vigilante suit fighting crime? Oh, I'm shocked. Yeah, and yet so with Jessica Jones again not to do any spoilers in that like it seems that when people mention the idea of being a vigilante crime fighter yeah. it seems a lot less um, fantastical yeah. uh, you know I mean it seems a lot less otherworldly and outlandish that someone would make it their business to fight crime yeah you know, um, um, she she's also um, she herself uh, Jessica Jones is like a real anecdote. Uh, nah, Antidote. Antidote. 
uh, a real nice palate cleanser to the type of hero we have in the MCU generally. The, like the Robert Downey Jr. mode of like the quip machine that doesn't really have emotions apart from sarcasm. Every, everybody's so quippy you know I mean? in it. Like, like, I mean, like, you know, Robert Downey Jr. has sarcasm and panic attacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, like, I mean, you know, like everybody's so sarcastic. Like, and sometimes it works really well. Like um, Star-Lord. Yeah. In Guardians of the Galaxy, that's when it's done absolutely perfectly. But at a certain point, after three solo movies and two Avengers films, the Tony Stark's shtick is wearing a little thin. Well, not just because it's the only thing. Yeah, you know, like you know, but it's like it, it, even kind of. And this is I'm not going to get into, but you know what I mean. Like it, it, compared to that, or compared to like you know, even Thor's gotten a little quippy. They've all gotten quippy. Like yeah, everybody's know. getting everybody's getting real quippy. It's like uh, Jessica Jones is just this sour bitter broken alcoholic alcoholic person who as well something that separates her from the herd here in the MCU and this is kind of the last point I'll say before we move on because it's not freaking you know linked to the comics but um, she really doesn't want to be a superhero everybody else kind of like takes on the mantle proudly or kind of you know like they're trusted to the situation they might be a little reluctant at first but by the end of the movie or the end of the TV show they're rocking like, it fuck yeah no I'm Jessica Jones is just like Jessica Jones outright says like she's tried the superhero thing nope not for her and I was you know just I mean? she, she can't let go of caring about people yeah even yeah. though it hurts her so bad but yeah, anyway yeah. let's move so, on yeah absolutely fantastic show uh, would recommend for people uh, to go out of their way uh, and speaking of <laughs> I just saw the other thing I have written for yeah I was just thinking of that I was just like well we may not be moving on from uh, comics as quickly as I thought Brian uh, this morning uh, as we're talking uh, the trailer for Captain America Civil War came out so we know direction still hasn't gone down we'll briefly talk about this your thoughts on the Cap trailer because we, we both felt quite differently about this oh, um, I'll let you say your points now well not rebuttal but then I'll respond to them but um, yeah I loved it um, I, I, the, the big thing for me was that we spoil the trailer. Yeah, we can spoil the trailer. It's a trailer. Yeah, yeah, I mean, well, you know, I'm so sensitive about whether or not I spoil yeah, things yeah, now. Yeah. Um, but like, if you've seen the actual film, keep it to yourself. But <laughs> wish. Uh, no, um, the the big thing for me, kind of, was the implication that I was kind of my big concern is like, how the fuck are they going to make this work when they can't have half the shit, you know, yeah. for for Civil War, like, um, because you know, licensing and things, mm-hmm. um. And kind of the implication that they're going to make a big part of the fallout between Cap and Tony, Bucky. Yeah. Bucky's going to play. So like, clearly there is General Thunderbolt Ross, Ross lobs down uh, that dossier, whatever it is in the trailer. And I'm th- you're thinking superhero registration, like, oh, you can't be a vigilante, blah, blah, blah. And you go, okay, that's going to be part of it. But like the trailer certainly centerpieces the whole fight over Bucky. Yeah. Um, you know, and I mean, I got go on two ways. It could go very much that Tony thinks that like Bucky's a danger, or it could be the fact that like uh, Cap could be trying to defend Bucky from having to out who he is, or it because could, of the things he's done. Or it's a case that you know, like with the, the keyword vigilante, is that Cap, you got to fall in line now and obey orders. Okay, you 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 are right to go rogue on Shield when Shield was full of Hydra, yeah. um, but now you got to fall in line. And also, your mate there, uh, Winter Soldier, we're going to take him in. Uh, he got to go down. He crim. Uh, he's a renowned uh, popsicle assassin. Like talking street, <laughs> he crims. <son. laughs> he crims. Uh, but um, what you got? And then Cap said, "But no, he's my buddy. Uh, you can't. I've totally fallen into line." But right after this bit of uh, insubordination, you know, and you can see that. And I mean, I just have to say, I like that line. I'm sorry, Tony, but he's my friend. So was I. 
I was like, I was like, ah, on the bus yeah. into work, freaking out. Yeah, um, my whole thing was like, I don't know if it's. Uh, I said this to you. I don't know if that I'm getting slightly burnt out on the films now at this point, yeah, or not because like it is a lot of films, mm-hmm. and the character, I, as I've said before, the character I'm tiring of seeing the most is Tony Stark because it's like, how many times can you, like, wring that same thing dry? Do you know what I mean? Like, because mm. it's the same character. I don't know how long has the comics been going on for. <laughs> you know, but, but but you know what I mean. There's no like they haven't like even when they've tried to go a bit deeper with Tony Stark, it's really only like slightly deeper on the surface. No, he really is the shallow. <laughs> That's the thing, like, and it's just like it's kind of tiresome for me. Yeah. Um, but the the trailer for me, the problem, like, it looks fine. It looks good. Um. The problem for me was that there wasn't that one moment. Like, pretty much every MCU trailer except um, the first, very first teaser for Winter Soldier and the Ant-Man trailers. Uh, with the, with those exceptions, every Marvel trailer has given me a moment where I'm like, oh, fucking shit's on. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Guardians of the Galaxy is the whole thing start to finish. Yeah. Um... Age of Ultron, it's that bit. Pinocchio. With, it, it, well, it's that, and for me, the bit is the broken vibranium shield. Ah. Uh, Where it's like, like, you know, as like if you go watch Age of Ultron, that's kind of inconsequential, but like just seeing Cap's shield snapped in half is like a ridiculously powerful image. Um, you have like the Avengers is just the idea of them all standing back to back and things like that the spinny circle round shot yeah 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 um, and then like if you go over to the other side like DC have that that it, like there's a couple of epic moments in that latest Batman vs Superman trailer like Zack Snyder knows how to make a trailer uh, and there is that moment where Superman rips the hood off the Batmobile and just Bruce pimps up just stands <laughs> just staring Clark down in the face and you're like oh <laughs> you know like it just didn't have that moment for me. Yeah. Um, for like me, it had some. It had two really cool moments that I liked, but neither of them made me really freak out. And the two are like the brief shots of Black Panther. So I'm like, yeah, cool. Someone new, to, you know, to play mm. with in this universe. Um, and then the other part was that bit at the very end where it's uh, Bucky and Cap wailing on Iron Man, tag team and fighting them off. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, that's pretty cool. Um, I know some people on the internet were disappointed that uh, Spider-Man wasn't in it but come on he wasn't going to be he's he's in the film yeah he's gonna they're going to save film, that like, one he's, yeah, yeah, little, he's be a little role to queue up you know what I mean yeah. the film it'd be like um, Anthony Mackie in uh, Winter Soldier like, yeah. he's part of it he's not the main part of it and we're introducing him because he'll be important later and as well, like, and thinking, like, if they do that um, iconic thing from the comics where he's like, you know, I'm, I'm Peter Parker, I've been Spider Man since I was 15, and that, like, that kind of tees up nicely then as an intro. Like, rather than use that as a big reveal, flip it and do it as this is a big intro yeah. uh, to Spider Man instead of the big reveal of Spider Man that we know and love. Yeah. So it's 18 minutes in, we should probably talk about video games. <laughs> yeah, probably, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, I think I'll go with you first this week, Brian, um, considering it's not going to be anything new. I would say what have you been playing this week, Brian, but let's just drop all pretenses. How's Fallout 4 going? Because it's, it's the only man. thing you've been playing. It's all good, man. And if Jessica Jones hadn't come out this week, it would be the only thing you would be doing. It's all good, man. Yeah. So, I went on a date with a lady. Come on. <laughs> Give me some credit, all right? Watching Jessica Jones is not... <laughs> hey! <laughs> right. Anyway, um, 
Yeah, tell us about how's Fallout 4 going for you this week. Fallout 4 has gone really good, man. Um, st- slightly less crippled by indecision than I was for a couple of days over the faction quests, as in terrified like if I go too far and want to lock out the other ones, so trying to figure out how to take them all a certain distance before I get locked out and have to pick a side. Um, discovering more of the world, uh, fighting more bios, collecting more loot. Um, just the the Fallout experience, and it just continues to be amazing uh, and so pretty and so fun have you done much have you been like just kind of going around doing bits and bobs here or there side questing around I haven't really kind of I've touched much main the main I think I've done about four or five of the main missions Um, I'm at the point where the next one is to go that's not spoiled okay sorry Um, so yeah I think I've done about four or five of the main missions and and then I've just kind of been around doing faction quests mostly Uh, all the factions have lots of like uh, filler side missions where you can just ramp up some EXP and get them perks in Uh, so much agony over perks what perk to take Um, I could go on but I won't Um, what level are you at now? 28 now what level you got there? flying through Uh, 5 I think um, but like it's something I've as we're going to get on to I haven't been playing much of it yeah. this week um, because again it's something that uh, I need like The Witcher I need a, some time off mm-hmm. where I can actually not put because uh, it's the kind of game I can't just play for a while and put down I need to have a good run of it this is why I don't actually probably much. get into it because it took me the first day where I was doing nothing except playing The Witcher to get into The Witcher because I needed a few hours to ramp up and actually get involved in the world then I wanted to come back to it Um. So yeah, it's good. How are the bugs? The bugs I have encountered very few bugs, um, but then I always I've always been lucky in that regard. Like people are like, oh my god, that game is so buggy. Like I mean, I don't remember any bugs that I encountered in New Vegas, say for instance. Yeah. Or people are like, is... oh, the hilarious bugs in Skyrim. Don't even remember any bugs in Skyrim that I encountered. I was re- I've always been really lucky with but that. Touchwood. Um, yeah. But uh, just the only thing that I've noticed that was buggy for me is. Um, when I back out when I'm in third person and I go up to a crafting station and then when I come back out of it it freaks out a bit um, I have to go back into first person before I can move around normally again as a as a hip cat with your ear to the ground knowing what the youths are talking about around the schoolyard have you heard like are bugs still an issue for the man on the street generally kind of as much as it's always been with yeah. kind of these Bethesda games like well it hasn't know, been patched yet has it no there's been there's been nothing yet like so um, I imagine that'll have a bit like people are like you know there's a couple of ones coming up uh, in places with uh, working the elevators and a few buildings for quests I understand cause a bit of problems there's been a few people get corrupt save files yeah, and in, the... in loops and that like again like you know I'm not going to you know, be that person who gives them a pass and says, you know, oh well, that shit happens. Like, the very much it does. I mean, when a game, shouldn't, it, it shouldn't. It but like in a game that big, like I'm not gonna give them a fucking ticket to ride. But I'm not also gonna fucking come down like a ton of bricks saying game rude, worst game ever because of you know some bugs here and there. Um, and again, no, that sounds really kind of giving away. Like obviously, bugs are not good, and I do expect there to be patches, and I would be unhappy if there aren't patches. Yeah. But like at the same time I learned a long time ago with RPGs like I fucking all oh, save every 5-10 minutes I do a new save before I do anything before I move in and out of a building I do a new save like before I go into a fight I do a new save so like that's just how I play RPGs and I find that's 
possibly kind of what's protected me a bit like from experiencing any game breaking problems uh, as far as I know there's been no massive game breaking bugs uh, so as long as you're smart enough with your saves you should be alright um, and like again not giving them a pass like that but you know what do you expect it's it's a Bethesda game and it's huge there's yeah. going to be some some nasty little bugs in there Um yeah, we move on. And I've been uh, Dave. What have you been playing? I've been playing a couple of things this week. Tell us uh, what have you been playing? I've finally gotten a chance to sit down with Guitar Hero Live, which I'm happy that I got the chance to do. After the um, yeah, I had fiasco. some misfortune. I don't know if I talked about it on the show. Don't before, think you did. But very briefly, uh, I got Guitar Hero Live uh, ordered online. It came here, and one of the keys of the six keys, there's two sets of three keys on it, and one of the buttons was stuck. Like every time you'd hold it down, it would stick in for an extra second after you released it which for a precision rhythm game is not good Good. because you end up playing notes you don't intend on playing so you fail a lot Um, so eventually got around to a couple of weeks later because I've had the I had that game sitting there for about two and a half weeks I just didn't have the opportunity to go to return it went and returned it uh, got a replacement copy um, and it was really only today that I went and cracked it open then uh, just while I was kind of I had a half day today so uh, when I came home I played it for a couple hours just to actually um Get into it. Um, it's different. It's a different game. Rock Band is very much. Rock Band is the kind of game that I don't imagine is very fun unless you're with a bunch of people, Hmm. because it is styled as a party game. Whereas the focus on Guitar Hero has always been like very score driven, like get the high score. And now that there's you know robust online modes and stuff like that you know online scoreboards and things like that you know how good can you get at it like whereas Rock Band is very much Asher look let's have a let's have a laugh and do that Carrie Underwood song again like we're always doing here <laughs> right and who is it that always wants to do that ah song? look I no uh, comments <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but yeah like Guitar Hero has always been that more kind of technical precision like uh, let's see if we can get through without fucking missing five stars five stars yeah 100% all that sort of thing which I managed to do with precesses lay down on expert (laughs) yep Sorry, what? That's something definitely to be boasting about. Yeah. Um, um, you should on your Tinder profile. <laughs> and take out the monologue from Garth Marenghi's Dark Place. Come on. Anyway, um, yeah, it's really good. Um, I don't know how I feel about the, the full motion video, where it's like it actually has full motion video of you at a gig. Yeah, with real, like real live like, action. Yeah, like, it's pretty cool, but at the same time, like, for me, it's like, that's an awful lot of effort, considering that's the one part of the screen I can't possibly look at, because <laughs> I'm focused on the highway. Like, I can kind of see things in the periphery that are going on, and it seems like it would be entertaining if I had the chance to look at it. I remember the old um, Guitar Heroes where you could customise your rocker. But the way, it's interesting, the way it's all set up is that you can go, instead of customising your rocker or anything like that, what you do is you go into the, the for want of a better term, the career mode, which is just a, a couple of festivals. Hmm. And you go into the festivals and it's different bands at the festivals. So there was one today um, where like I was at some festival and I played four sets that were very kind of like dubstepy and stuff like that. Like just to get through it because you have to beat all of them to get to unlock the last, the extra few. You have your hand up there in the background. Yes, sir. What? Uh, Mr. Ryan, sir. 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 Uh, sir. Sir. Yeah. Why is there dubstepy songs in a Guitar Hero game? But this is the thing, like, for Guitar Hero and Rock Band, where it's just, like, they try to get the broadest possible appeal, where there's, like, pop music, there's country music, there's rap music, like, there is a lot of that stuff. Like, you forget that big catalogue that we looked through on 
um, rock band have some absolute fucking clangers in it but we just didn't bother we skipped yeah, right past them but I always um, kind of like and not to be mean to rock band because I have really enjoyed it but I remember back in the day like rock band was the, the, the poor man's guitar hero was generally the impression I had back in the day like and Guitar Hero had the better licenses for the proper power ballad and rock songs. I mean I'm sorry yeah but then you see this is a franchise that has see, then what would have happened was Rock Band would have cracked on to the if we get a few of each genre that everybody likes we can sell more than just marketing to hardcore rock fans because now people will buy it to have around their house if they're just casual gamers yeah. which is completely yeah. understandable um, then again I'm speaking as a guy who does own Guitar Hero Metallica yeah do you know like so you clearly have no taste like <laughs> I joke I joke do you want to that's do that that's anger though man what a tune <laughs> anyway do you want me to do a walkout <laughs> I'll do a walkout <laughs> anyway um, yeah no it's really good um, but there are like there are sometimes like that dubstep set where you're just sitting there and you're just going this is like I need to get to because it's the same as the old rock bands where you have to to unlock songs in quick play you have to beat them in the yeah. game and to unlock the songs later on, you have to beat all the sets on the way. Yeah. So you're playing as different bands, which cool. Like each band has its own aesthetic, which matches the songs you're playing. Rather than have like a hardcore rock band play Skrillex or something like that, so um, which it looks weird. Game you have a band that looked like they would be a dubstep band, uh, like kind of playing something like that, which is more like what I'm saying. Is I don't like that music, but it's more appropriate visually. Do you know what I mean? that they've actually gone to that effort. Like, there was one point where I did a set as a girl band, right? Uh, a girl rock band. And, you know, there comes a certain um, dawning realisation when you're sitting of a Wednesday afternoon on your own in your pyjamas at three in the afternoon um, playing a, a set that included Avril Lavigne, Rihanna and Katy Perry and you're a grown man and you think, what has happened to my life? I can tell you, you're living the dream. A living the dream, am I? Yeah. So, um, like, there are moments like that, but then you get to like, um, you know, there's some great songs on, it, like, you know, there's some Jack White on there. There's like a few. You're anybody's for some Jack White. Yeah. Um, the one thing I wanted to talk about with regards to that, because there are no great surprises in terms of how the career mode is structured, is this thing called um, Guitar Hero TV. That's part of it. Um, basically, they have two 24-hour streaming channels that are constantly doing different videos. And, like, at different times of the day, it'll be different kinds of music. So I went on, and there's one that's playing, like, greatest pop hits. And then the other one was playing rock and roll. So I went on, and they brought me to the tutorial. It's like, this is how all this stuff is done. So what you're able to do is, if you're having a party, you can just put that channel on. It'll start randomly putting on songs, because it's pre-programmed by um, the developers. So they're going in a circle and instead of having like the live action band, it's the music video in the background. So to have it at like a, a party, it's actually a pretty good idea. Like I went in and I was just like, right, didn't get a chance to pick a song and I'll get to the picking the songs bit in a minute. But when you're just in the channels, you don't get to pick a song on Guitar Hero TV. It just pops up. So I just like, what the fuck, right, went in. And it's a load of songs that aren't actually on the game normally. So I went in, there's a bit of ZZ Top going on. I'm like, yeah, kind of jammed to some ZZ Top. Oh, what's next? Bit of Modest Mouse. All right, okay. You know, getting in there. So I was having a bit of a good time. And then they have, like, and this kind of, like, this is good and it's bad, where you go in and, like, you can, by playing through, you unlock these coins, uh, or you kind of, you get coins as a reward for doing well. You can use those coins then to buy plays, which are free plays of any song you want. So you can go in. Um, I don't know about... It looks like, much like um, Rock Band, you have to actually physically buy the songs to have them permanently for quick play. There's no... 
I don't think there's a structure by which I can earn enough in-game coins to purchase the songs forever. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. And like, um, as you're going through these songs on the channel, or if you go to do a free, like a play on Guitar Hero TV, you use up one of your plays to play it. Because by doing well at songs on the channel, or by progressing through the levels, or by using your coins to unlock more plays, you get a free play of any song you want. So I would have at any one time about ten or twelve different. Uh, free plays so I was going through I was playing a bit of Weezer things like that I was having that was good fun uh, and then all the while the thing that makes it extra competitive is that it puts 10 random people whether they're online playing that song at the moment or they're offline scores and they put they chart on the side how they're doing at this point in the song so you can try and come first right so you can see alright out of these 10 people I'm doing well Crazy. I'm coming first like it's cool like it's nice and it's competitive it adds another dimension to it do you know what I mean if you've heard the song a hundred times before you can be like right okay I need to get it even better and then you go oh fuck I did a hundred percent but this guy still got better than me because he used his star power at a better time or because like say I was playing out on medium but he was playing out on difficult so there was more notes to hit so it, it's it incentivizes you to get better at the game to play it more to kind of like part of that whole kind of less about party game and more about a kind of uh, getting good at it uh it's good. It's a, yeah, it's a good game. I'm enjoying it. Um, more on that as I kind of get into it better. And I'll give you a play of it again someday when we're just knocking about. Um, the other game I've been playing, I think I want to leave the middle game I have there off until next week because we've been talking for quite a while. Um, and that's one I really want to get into. Uh, but what I have been playing as well, I finished off Telltale Games, Game of Thrones. Uh, I kind of, the sixth episode, we talked about it in the news last week, the sixth episode, the sixth and make final choice, episode of this choice, season, <laughs> dropped uh, last week, and kind of on Saturday, and, Saturday night, I think it was, I just went and blitzed through episodes four, five, and six, all in one or two sittings. How was that for you now? It's really good. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Like, I was a bit... Like, of all the Telltale games I've played so far, um, it's the one I've been most meh on. Because, one, it's had the most issues for me in terms of, like, just not being able to fucking load assets. Things just stay blurry in the background. That really fucks me off. Um, and kind of just, like, I look, there's some intrigue here, but it's kind of, like, there's a lot of, kind of... Oh, God, we can't think of anything to do. Let's throw in a reference to something that happens in the TV show to keep everyone's attention span. <laughs> you know? That, oh, look, here's like, Tyrion. Yeah, that's literally what I was like. Oh, um, Daenerys, there. Um, you go there. Um, so, like, um, the early couple of chapters were very much like that. But then, kind of, as you get more used to the characters you're playing as and makes different choices and stuff like that, uh, it gets proper, like, more faithful to the show in as much as um, there is political intrigue, there is action, and everybody's having a shit time forever. Um, so, like, three hallmarks of Game of Thrones. You're missing the fourth one, man. What? Incest. Is it? I don't think there was any incest. I could be wrong. I may have missed some subtlety. <laughs> it may have been too subtle for me. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, it was really good. Um, interesting ending I got for it don't want to spoil it but uh, yeah uh, really enjoyed it by the end really turned around on that um, so I'm looking forward to it. we'll be talking about uh, plans for Game of Thrones during the uh, the news segment here but um, yeah uh, enjoyed more than I thought I was going to after the first couple of episodes like I really the main reason I hadn't played 4 and 5 is because 2 and 3 were kind of just like ugh. it's all the stuff know? with the sister and things landing but like, like yeah and that gets better as well hmm. um, but 
it's kind of like every I know every series it seems to be like a hallmark of Telltale Games where like one episode in a series is always rank and awful to get through mm. like um, that one episode of Walking Dead with the train yeah that seems like it takes 14 hours to get through yeah I think I haven't finished that one even yeah or um, I just that was absolutely geez, and I did that twice because I got the platinum on Vita and PS4 for it yeah. I was uh, oh, Among Us it was mind numbing Wolf Among Us didn't have that um but, uh, I'm, I'm actually in the moment of it and we'll be talking about it uh, in the next couple of weeks when I finish it I'm playing Tales from the Borderlands now finally so I found some serious drag in that I think I'm episode 2 or 3 and I'm finding some serious drag like it's great it's fun and that but it's just it, it's not sucking me in um, should play Wolf Among Us should buy dinner first um, uh, and on that bombshell let's go to the news news on the mark So in the news this week, something I imagine Sony would have preferred uh, being kept until PSX uh, next month so they could announce it in San Francisco at their own kind of show. Uh, it looks like we're getting PS2 emulation for the PS4 coming. Does that is that something that like even really enters your conscious at all? Uh, at all? All, I could, all I could think was, we have a PS2 downstairs. Yeah. I got, I got some games for that. Um, they look pretty bad, man. Yeah, well, no, here's the thing, like, um, you can Le- do a lot with, if you go in, like, it depends because they're very vague about what the emulation process is. Now, if it is simply that we're able to put in the disc, because they are DVDs, mm. so the PS4 should be capable of reading them, mm. right? If it's as much as you put in the disc and you play from the disc, that could look a bit shocking, because I bought a couple of PS2 classics on PS3, did not look great. Um, I do think they look better when you're playing them natively off the PS2. Even um, then, they don't look great, man. Like, even well, like, I, like I was playing. I don't know, do you remember? Like, no, you were shocked at how good Manhunt looked. Yeah, but then at the same time, I like picked up Wrath of Cortex, was which was you know, yeah, it's but, deliberately the graphics are not amazing on it because yeah. they're that that you know polygons or whatever the fuck, mm. and uh, it's just like, Phew. And then you know, Van Helsing. But at the same time, like if people go back to, but that's because Van Helsing was a terrible game. Um, it's a good film, if you go back, no, it wasn't. Yo. If you go back into, I saw that in the cinema as well. Huge Ackerman, yeah. If you, if you go back in, and do, for example, what Microsoft have done with 360 games, and they've gone in and they've kind of like sharpened the images and stuff like that, and actually made a thing out of it, and instead of playing it off the disc, what you're doing is you're putting in the disc to acknowledge you own the game, and then it pulls down a download of a slightly up version of the game which makes it look better on kind of modern TVs and modern consoles uh, I think there's a lot of room for kind of there are some games that will still look good on like today if you play them like the PS2 era is that the PS1 PS2 era is the era where games look particularly dated it's funny because like games from the SNES era and stuff like that before 3D still look great because you don't expect them to look like anything else but is, like you know what I mean like um, it's because they have like their Legend own... of Zelda games from the SNES still look great because it's all about the colour and the artistry it, and it's they have their own artistic style which is a t- has become a timeless one because yeah. it's not like the, the things that look terrible about the other ones is the attempt to look realistic yeah but even just like how assets are constructed on PS1 and PS2 I'm thinking of like you're looking at characters and you're going faces don't have that many corners you know um, and fists aren't that big and square. Yeah, exactly. They're not like squares at the end of rectangles. <laughs> um, 
but like it just it entirely depends on what they do. Um, I have no, I have no real guess as to what they'll do. My worry, the worst of all scenarios, is that um, it's not playing off the disc. It's not put in the disc and get the download. It's pay for it. Can um, they do something that stupid? They're doing it with PS3 games for the PlayStation Now, $30 a month. Um, so, like, I don't know if that's going to, like, annoy people. Like, people who might still have PS2s are like, no, just play it on the PS2, thank you. Because, like, I already own the game. Why should I have to pay for it twice? Yeah. Um, then there's, like, got me thinking, and I think they talked about it on the Bombcast this week, where it's like, what price would you pay? Like, for a game that would, like, let's just say there is a game on PS2 that would still look good and you'd like to actually get to grips with it. Silent Hill 2, Dave. Silent Hill 2, yeah. Silent Hill 2, so we could get a slightly sharper version of it with the fog back in it, because the PS3 version got rid of the fog and thus the suspense. Um, I was trying to think, what, like, what would you think for you? Like, think about it, like, don't think about a PS2, think about it like an original Xbox generation game. What um, price would you think would be a fair price for it? Doing it digitally, like... Yeah. If you had to pay for it again. Um, I'd probably say... I would pay maybe five euros. That's, and That's exactly what I would have thought. I mean, anywhere between five and ten, I wouldn't pay, but I wouldn't find offensive. Yeah. I would find it to be um, opportunistic. My perfect one would be five for most of them, and then for the absolute classics, ten. Yeah, but I want some, I'd want something a tiny bit extra for the tens. Like I want a little bit I'm more looking, effort gone into. I, the I'm tens. looking at my shelf here, and I'm saying, right, okay, I would pay a fiver to have like Half Life. I'd pay a fiver to have Thirteen. I'd pay a fiver to have the original Kill Zone or a Medal of Honor game. But then when I look down and I see Silent Hill Two, or I see Max Payne, or I see GTA Vice City, I'd pay a tenner for those. Mm. Or Metal Gear Solid Two and Three, I'd pay a tenner for each of those. Yeah. You know, um, I would dearly hope that, particularly in light of what the Xbox are doing with the Xbox 360 com- backwards compatibility for free, it Let's would not switch be, seats here, Sony. You know, it would be like it would look real bad, like because it already looks real bad that they're not abandoning the PlayStation now, considering no one really likes it. Um, I don't know what the numbers are for how many people are playing it or not. I don't think they would be that great. Otherwise, they'd be shouting it from a mountaintop. Um. But, like, they would look particularly bad if they didn't do something that kind of makes up for the fact that, like, Xbox outsmarted them on that one. Yeah. And then, then again, Xbox, who absolutely totally weren't going to do backwards compatibility. Mm. Um, Remember that was a thing? Yeah. Well, there was a lot of things they weren't going to do. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we move on from that. And then, related to something we'd already talked about, uh, Telltale Games have announced, obviously, that they're going to do a season two of Game of Thrones. Because, of course. Uh, apparently a massive success for them and considering now having played it uh, through to completion uh, considering the way it does end at least for me uh, considering the way it kind of builds and builds and leaves and it doesn't quite resolve everything but not in an annoying way it's like okay there's definitely enough scope for season 2 they said they've been planning a season 2 all along makes perfect sense to me like Game of Thrones is still a license to print money like as long as like I think this season was the season where people started getting a bit of fatigue on it. Um, this was still haven't finished watching it. Yeah, by far the worst season so far, but still better than most TV. You know, uh, it's just the age that we live in a golden age of television now. 
But uh, yeah, it's still like the 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 goose hasn't been cooked there yet. Where still yeah, they can still make quite a bit of money off Game of Thrones, so makes sense. Like Telltale have their hands in a lot of things at the moment. Um, I don't know how many teams they've got going there. Because you think about it, like there's obviously some sort of Walking Dead thing being done. Like they're definitely not done there. Um, presumably, there's more Wolf Among Us coming at a certain point. Uh, Minecraft, they're still in the process of doing Minecraft story mode. I think episode three is out in the next few weeks. Um, and then the one that a lot of people are looking forward to, Telltale and Marvel teaming up for something that we don't know. Um, are they even on the night there? Tales from the Borderlands as well. Um, I don't know if they're going to do a season two of that. I don't know if they announced that. I I must actually look into that. But uh, you know what I mean? Like it's um, if only now they just fix the engine and make sure that it didn't go weird sometimes because that can be really really annoying. Um, here's one: Rainbow Six Siege, the open beta that was supposed to be starting, I think this week, has been postponed. Uh, they're going to leave it in closed beta for a bit longer. Um, allow me to read this from IGN. Um, we're currently seeing this is a, a quote from. Ubi. Uh, we're currently seeing issues with matchmaking times and disconnection on all platforms. As such, we're postponing the open beta until a later time and keeping the game under closed beta status. We apologise for the delay and can assure you this is our top priority. We will keep everyone updated regularly as we continue to deploy improvements. Any thoughts on that? Rainbow Six Siege is something that when I saw it at E3, I was actually quite intrigued. It looks really cool. The fact that you can pretty much... Have you seen much of Rainbow Six Siege? the idea that like you can destroy like it's a whole kind of uh, the one from E3 was like there was a hostage situation going on in a house in suburbia and you play the commando team like you can play the hostage takers as well but you play the commando team that goes in and like there are different ways to sneak in and you can pretty much like like destroy anything in the house like um like there was guys uh, planting charges on the opposite side of a wall to time with an attack going in from the other door and stuff like that. Like there was some really cool, innovative gameplay in there, and like a, it feels like something I don't know if I'd necessarily rush out to buy, but it'd be something I'd love to get my hands on in an open beta scenario to see what it's like. Like it could win me over, like Battlefront did. Um, but yeah, uh, what I would say about this is. Um, for once bravo on uh, a massive developer because they're delaying something because it's not working mm -hmm. rather than trying to just force the issue even though it's not working and that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to shift the date for actually releasing the fucking game um, but at least it's showing that they're actually trying to fix one thing before they move on like obviously if in a small closed beta of people the online isn't working that needs to be addressed very quickly before you open it to everybody um, do you have anything to kind of not really no <laughs> were you ever any uh, Rainbow Six nope. guy never it seems like you'd be Tom Clancy be right up your straza thanks for that no I, no I don't mean like in a you know bro murica sort of way but I just mean like in terms of like you were a kind of military FPS guy yeah. you were a battlefield guy a COD guy like Rainbow Six is kind yeah, of that, the, that was the enough. Like, I was just yeah, Rainbow Six and Medal of Honor were very much the proto. Yeah, they of. never really came into my kind of like. I mean, I did um, what I did dabble in uh, Tom Clancy's Advanced Warfighter, Ghost Recon, etc., etc., other other subtitles and so on and so forth. Um, I always found kind of the times I sampled, I found to be rather cold, um, not very atmospheric, just like playing Counter Strike with better graphics. Actually, not Counter Strike was more fun. Um, 
I haven't touched off of uh, Rainbow Six games in years and years and years. Like, for this, we're talking like sampling before I ever owned consoles. Yeah, I must actually go and show you the trailer from E3 because it was like, again, you know, this type of game generally doesn't do anything yeah. for me at all. And I actually was like, I would actually play that, I would give it a go. Um, so, Dying Light fans, get your wallets out in a hurry, please, because uh, Techland have announced that the price of the season pass is going up. Mm. Um, because more stuff there's yeah there's a new expansion coming that was always coming it was always part of the season pass it's called uh, the following and kind of what they've said here in the press release they they made about it was um, I'll just I'll just read it directly over the past weeks the following has almost reached its final stage main quest side quest new skills and driving challenges are ready said Techland we are uh, we now are moving into the polishing period looking at it it's clear how big the expansion pack has grown it could be a standalone title it's that big but since that would mean a launch delay we decided against it so basically what they did was they went in to make this DLC they either like thought of some really good ideas while they were doing it or the game just got bigger and bigger and bigger this bit of DLC got bigger and bigger and bigger to the point now where they're just like this thing is fucking massive and it would kind of like maybe it doesn't make a quality return on investment if we keep it the same so what they've announced is people who have already bought the season pass nothing will change for you you won't have to pay any extra you'll still get the following but once the following comes out you can pay for it separately as well uh, for $19.99 or euro or £15.99 and from December 8th so there's still a window from December 8th the season pass is going up to thirty dollars, thirty euro, or twenty three pounds ninety nine sterling. Um, so, my advice to you, if you're a dying light fan, if you have any inclination towards buying this uh, DLC at some point, I will. You're to get the season pass now, because uh, then you can save yourself a little bit of money when it comes to when the following does come out. Um, but yeah, really good game. If like it is a sizable DLC, I have no real problem with them charging for it separately. But I mean, it's like, a bit weird. The nineteen was a bit it, under the mark for DLC. Uh, yeah, sorry, for season passes. The like. one thing I'm a bit antsy about is the idea of deciding to raise the price of a season pass. Now, at least it isn't raising the price for the people who already have it. Mm. You know what I mean? It isn't asking them to tack on a bit more. That would be property scummy. This is just a bit like. Oh. You know, I don't know. And like, I, I mean, don't it, like. It's just weird that a game that's been out for a year, the season password is going up. Like it came yeah. out in January. It's an odd one. Like yeah. I mean, but it's as unusual. But again, like maybe the DLC will justify it. Maybe it is like absolutely blow away good. Yeah. I'm and I'm well up for that. I'm well up for a bit more dying light. Um, this was quite interesting to me. This story, so I pulled it down off uh, IGN. Uh, GameStop announced that. Two of the biggest releases of the year, Battlefront and Halo 5, uh, didn't live up to their sales expectations. Fell short. Um, both, well, particularly Battlefront, because it was on all platforms, sold massively. Uh, Halo sold reasonably well, but apparently, um, and Assassin's Creed Syndicate as well, underperformed, according to their earnings call. Um, any thoughts on this that, like... Well, I mean... <sighs> I have a couple. Like, I have a couple of thoughts myself. I have a couple of thoughts. Yeah, um, I mean, like, there's the idea that you know how we guys were the targets in the first place. Mm. Um, considering a part of you know, what I've seen of it, and I mean, not even just the bay of which we talked about before, but even like watching over your shoulder pen. That like, I mean, it looks like a pretty bog standard. 
online shooter with a few bells and whistles and a Star Wars Star paint Yeah, but like Revenge of the Sith. You know, yeah, but still, <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, it, like it looks cool and that, like, I mean, like some really good bells and whistles. But I mean, and I, it, it does interest and attract me. I haven't bought it yet. I'm in no hurry to buy it. Like, I might, well, I may, I like, I probably will ultimately pick it up, mm. but I'm not in any great hurry. Um, you know, and I mean, with that kind of find the people who do do that, that kind of like it's a dedicated online multiplayer shooter with no campaign. Am I right in saying? Or next in all campaign. Um, uh, there are missions that can be done either solo or on-screen co-op, but they're basically offline versions of the like. There is no proper narrative. Yeah, like we we had we had those as as an extra in Modern Warfare two and three. Like, yeah. uh, like I mean, it's it's you know between Battlefield, between Rainbow Six Siege, between Call of Duty, and that like you know the the market's already fairly full. Like, and I realize it's <laughs> Star Wars, the different beast in a lot of ways but I mean it's a different colour man you know like it's the same game Um, you know there's only so much you can do with the core of an online multiplayer shooter and you know you can put bells and whistles and you can put AT-ATs and you put Darth Vader in it and yeah those things are cool those things are not going to make me shell out 75 quid uh, straight off the bat for us but that's just me you know that's just one man's opinion Um, as for Halo um Lads, I'm sorry, it's a tired franchise. I'm sure it's, it's a really good game. You seem to have re- been really enjoying mm-hmm. it. It's a tired fucking franchise. I don't uh, think that's it. the problem with Halo. I'm going to get into my theories. Like, like I'm, I'm saying that as someone who hasn't played it and as someone who doesn't own an Xbox One and as someone who loved Halo 1, fucking adored Halo 2, yeah. uh, felt massively ripped off by Halo 3, uh, had to give up playing uh, ODST because it was pants, didn't bother trying to reach, haven't come near Halo Wars, um, I don't know, I think there's another one in there somewhere, but Halo 4, yeah. um, you know, at this point, like, again, it's just me, I couldn't give a flying fuck about Master Chief. that's, yeah, that's, that is a you thing, that's not like, like there's uh, still people chomping at the bit for Halo, uh, I'll kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in at this point, like, uh, firstly, before it gets away from me, and before I forget, just to take up on your first point there, with regards, uh, you know, how optimistic would have been about sales, the thing about investor calls is that, yeah, you want to inflate your expectations a little bit, because you want the investors to think you're a hot property, and you want to try and inflate your share price and stuff like that, but at the same time, you need relatively realistic sales targets, because if you completely miss them, your shares are going to go in the fucking toilet. And it's going to be really bad times. So you don't want to come out and just say, we are going to sell a kajillion units of Rise of the Tomb Raider. And then Rise of the Tomb Raider, I think, ended up selling uh, in the UK less than 100,000 units in the first week. Because that's what happens when you release the same week as Fallout. Right? (laughs) Pornhub traffic figures drop. (laughs) I'll come to that next week. I'm going to talk a lot about Rise of the Tomb Raider next week once I've like gotten properly into it. Really fucking good game. Anyway, um... So, yeah, you don't want to be massively... You don't want to over-inflate things mm. too much. You want to be relatively realistic of your sales targets. Now, as to why GameStop are experiencing kind of lower-than-expected sales. One, the most obvious one that people digital are going to sales. Digital sales. Digital sales. There's going to come a point, and this might be the start of it, where digital sales start picking up pace really good. Uh, don't know what the digital sales have been like for both of those games or all three of those games. That'd be include, interesting to see. If we include, but that'd uh, put a whole other slant on this. That'd put a whole other slant on this. They said in their investor call that they don't think that's the issue. But again, 
because you got to remember they're talking to investors. They don't want to in go GameStop. Yeah, yeah investors they, in yeah, GameStop. Yeah, yeah. ah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> GameStop don't want to say on their earnings call to their investors. Yeah, the digital market has taken our pants down and has us firmly over the barrel now. <laughs> uh, you don't want to say that because then people are going to start jumping off the ship. Um, so I think that's part of it. Um, with regards Star Wars, I think releasing the same month as everything else in the world, like Call of Duty and Fallout and a bunch of other stuff, probably didn't help. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a massive title, so it wouldn't have like, dented it too much. In a quieter month, I probably would have bought. I think the mistake they made was maybe not holding it off one more month and releasing it the week before the film. There's a thought. Because there's not really that much coming out in December. Just Cause is out on the 1st of December. That's the only thing I can think of. Um, and like I'm obviously buying the holy fuck out of that game. But um, Explosions! Oh my god, explosions. <laughs> but do you know what I mean? Like maybe... Like they are saying that they expect a real spike in sales next month for Battlefront. Uh, because of the movie. Because the, the excitement hasn't quite reached fever pitch yet. And if the film knocks it out of the park, because the day the film comes out, they're launching some maps from the new film, which is a really good idea. That's cool. So if they had launched around the time of the film and people come out of the cinema, they're like, oh my God, I need more of that in my life. They would then run to GameStop, you know, while it's already out ahead of them. Um, Yeah, with regards uh, Assassin's Creed, I think if if Assassin's Creed has diminished, I'm going to put part of that down to the colossal car crash that last year's Assassin's Creed was. Unity. Uh, yeah, and Halo, I'm thinking the main thing that hobbles that is the fact that no one fucking owns an Xbox. <laughs> like, if if that game came out, like, if that came out and um, if, if it was last generation, it would still probably sell gangbusters. Yeah. Because everybody had an Xbox. Yeah. Um, so now, like, I think, like, and obviously they're going to factor into their projections that nobody has an Xbox One, but at the same time, like, can't sell more units of the game than you have units of the console. Yeah, do you know, like, it's, it's a thing where, kind of, I don't know. I, I, the, uh, we could talk for hours about the fascination around the Xbox One and it's um, everything that's happening with that. Um, moving on to quite happy news for our well mixed news, uh, depending on how you take it. Two uh, K have uh, come out and said, or Tuka, <laughs> as uh, Simon Miller from the Miller Report pronounced it. Um, sorry, Take, take Two Interactive CEO Strauss Zelnick has said. Once again, that Bioshock is unquestionably a permanent franchise. It's still a thing. Bioshock's still a thing, yo. Yeah, like, I don't think that's really going to shock anybody to the to the core of their being. Uh, it is nearly, nearly three years since Bioshock Infinite. Bioshock Infinite oh, came out in so either February or March of 2013. So I can't remember. Um, so... It'll be interesting to see, like, will we hear anything about it? Like, I'm trying to think when would be the earliest we might hear about it. I don't necessarily think they would show up at PSX, but maybe, like, surely by E3 next year. They'll mm. have been working on something for three years. Uh, I know Ken Levine and the remnants of Irrational Games are working on some sort of small project. Mm. I think what a lot of fanboys will be hoping to, clinging to the hope that they finish their small project and then they back a big truck full of money up to Ken Levine's house and get him to do another Bioshock. I'm just going to hop out of my seat folks Dave I want you to look at my notes Brian's going to show me his notes here Just uh, the notes about Bioshock Kill everybody, burn it with fire (laughs) Ah yes, Bioshock Just fucking give Ken Levine all of the money Yeah, fair enough Um, 
Yeah, that's fair. Also, I would imagine before we get uh, an announcement, or maybe not, maybe like as a way to hype it up, um, we'll get a uh, Bioshock HD announcement. Because surely... Just give it to us. Well, that's what you... Uh, to me, that would be the best way to restart the franchise. Remind go, people oh, Bioshock is a thing. Yeah, remember, these are two of the best like games... Ever made. Yeah. Um, and then there's the other one. And that's well, the no, kind of, that's you see that's the kind of worry because there has already been one Bioshock game made without Ken Levine and, <laughs> and it was didn't go cack. spectacularly. Like, it was fucking look, cack. Thing is now there are people Bioshock Dude does have its fans and does have people who like while acknowledging it's not nearly as good as the other two still say it's good. It's better than a lot of games, right? Again, Brian, this is your opinion. I have never played it because I have been scared off it so much by you and a couple of other people. Um, but. Uh, I was gonna say yeah that like people would be worried that if like two came in or somebody else just got their hands on it and didn't kind of you know that it could be like it's like the whole Metal Gear Solid with Kojima thing gone it's like do we want to see a Metal Gear Solid without Kojima do we want to see a Bioshock without Ken Levine we don't I don't know but you said like it also has every capacity to be like mad as balls and awesome you know what I mean like there are more than one talent there is more than one talented writer in the world yeah, I know. You know, um, I would just, I would be very tentative. I'm not excited by the news, nor am I depressed. It's not it. really news. Yeah, it's not. It's, it's not news. Yeah, and we know, like, because it, it'll surely only be a couple of months before they have to come out and clarify again that, yes, Red Dead is also a part of the franchise for Take-Two interaction. But we haven't done that in yet. Yeah, we're just, you know, doing yeah. the Duke Nukem on it. Hanging around, giving ourselves piggyback rides. Yeah. Um, Sony... Another thing they probably would have uh, preferred to wait until PSX to announce have passed 30 million sales for the PS4 in just inside two years. It's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive, isn't it? I'll just uh, read away here. It's still, by the way, like it, it is the best-selling PlayStation console of all time, which is incredible considering how well the PS2 sold. It is outpacing the PS2 still. So... Sony has today announced that the PS4 has sold through over 30.2 million units since its release in November two years ago. This figure is current as of November 22nd, a little over two years on from release. The figure sees PlayStation 4 continue to demonstrate the fastest and strongest growth in the PlayStation hardware history, says Sony, meaning the PS4 is still outpacing the PS2 for now. Sony notes the PS4 system is currently available in 124 countries and regions worldwide. Sony revealed last month that the lifetime total of PS4 sold had risen to 29.3 million and as a result of this overperformance raised the forecasted number of PS4 consoles it expects to sell for this year from 16.5 to 17.5 million. Last year it sold 14.8. So like it's even going like it is projected next year to outsell this year. Which I suppose when you think about it makes sense because fucking nothing came out this year that was exclusive to PS4. The order uh, Until Dawn and Bloodborne are the only ones that none of them to me are massive system sellers whereas next year just I'll just say one word Uncharted you know that's coming out No Man's Sky Street Fighter 5 uh, Gran Turismo Turbo you know they're proper fucking like will move units sort of thing you know they're going to have a much better year than they had this year whereas like with the exception of um, Gears of War Microsoft kind of shot their load this year, you know. Every like, it didn't really help. Halos out. They do a fours all the time, you know, and it's not really like they were the best selling console last month. But you know, 
month. It's a yeah, it's a it's a long uphill battle for them. Uh, PS Plus games for next month got announced. Uh, on PS4, we are going to be getting the first chapter of the I don't I don't know if you call it reboot, semi reboot, uh, or revival of King's Quest, a uh, classic game series. They're they're coming back. And we're going to get the first chapter. It seems to be an episodic sort of situation. So we're getting the first chapter of that called A Night to Remember. Uh, on top of that, we're also getting Gauntlet Slayer Edition, which is a great name. Know nothing about it, but my God, that, breeze, that yeah, is a name, that's name. a name with chutzpah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, then on Vita, we're going to get Rocket Birds Hardboiled Edition. <laughs> Um, and Freedom Wars, which is supposed to be a really, really good game. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, then I, I think you'll appreciate um, PS3 are going to get SSX, so we're getting some snowboarding action going on there, and Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. See, I'm not going to appreciate that, David. Do you know why? Well, because you bought it. No, because I don't have a PS3. Oh, I see. But yeah, you own it for Xbox 360. Yeah. For your jet engine in the back there. <laughs> Although, you can now, if you went and bought an Xbox One, you can get you can get Far Cry 1, 2, 3, and Blood Dragon on backwards compatibility. So good. So yeah, it was a goddamn community was sales, eh? Um So yeah, that will be coming Tuesday, December first. So keep an eye out. And also, if you haven't downloaded this game's month, uh, this month's games, uh, which include Magicka, uh, Walking Dead season two, uh, get on that shit because it's not going to be there for much longer. Brian, this is normally the point at which we would wrap up the news, but for a late breaking news story that happened like moments before we started. Um, and I haven't really had time because I was too busy trying to figure out why your microphone decided it was going to stop working after every sound check. So you had a read through this story. I am, apart from a brief message from Mark earlier on about how fucking annoyed he was about all this happening, um, I know very little about this story. So please take the reins. You are at the news desk. You've moved over from your corner where you do the weather at the end. <laughs> You're sitting right in the main seat, 6-1 News, no pressure, the spotlights are on. Give Thanks, us man. your headline here. So, right, you know DOA, the, um, that, that oh, game. Oh, that epic, that epic film starring Holly Valance and Jamie Presley. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> I am so fucking proud of myself, I remembered anything about that movie. Never saw it, saw the cover and went... No, and that's literally all that's on the cover. The <laughs> words DOA and Holly yeah. Valance and James saw, saw the cover and just went no. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, you know those of you who haven't heard or seen of the film been lucky enough. Uh, you may be familiar, familiar with the away from when you go in to check the DLC on the PlayStation Store, and they're just endless, endless, endless lists of DOA DLC. They all kind of look same. There's a theme you may be noticing. Basically, what's coming happening is DOA. Extreme 3 which I gather is unlike the other uh, games in the series which are fighting series this is a a spin-off vacation title I say with inverted commas um, where there appears to be a volleyball simulator boiling it down to you know a game that prides itself on its jiggle physics and I don't mean for the sand or the waves um (laughs) Fuck off, right? <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to go to the beach tomorrow. The sand is apparently real jiggly. <laughs> God damn, man! I'm pr- oh, sorry. 
Don't undercut me, okay? Um, but yeah, so basically, there's been a bit of news anyway. Apparently, it's not being released in North America. Right. Or the West. We're not kind of sure um, yeah. here. Uh, kind of, the two seem to be synonymous, but you know, uh, Western. Um, the Western world is not get really getting this game, apparently. Yeah. Now, um. I shed no tears. The developer in that, the, um, it's been online since kind of the day, say, announcing that it's not going to happen. People are going back and forth saying, oh, why not? And what's going on? And out of the milieu of news, um, their reasoning has emerged. And it's it's a bit something. <laughs> uh, I'll put it like this. Um, like, there's been kind of words said. There's been the hashtag SJW has been thrown out. Um, and really I think the best kind of thing I'm coming up with here is I'm going to pull this quote which is on a US Gamer uh, blog post uh, which they've taken from the official Dead or Alive community channel on Facebook now it appears to uh, I think it might have been translated uh, from Japanese because um, grammar's not great so I'm going to read it out I'm going to not do an inappropriate accent please don't but uh, you know it's going to be it's not going to scan great but basically <coughs> they've opened your ear holes here and uh, get a load of this right. we do not bring DOA X3 to the west and won't have any plan change in the future thank you for asking said the community channel do you know many issues happening in video game industry with regard to how to treat female in video game industry we do not want to talk those things here but certainly we have gone through in last year or two to come to our decision. Thank you. Basically, what seems to be coming out of this is that the games are massively fucking sexist. They are they are basically just simulators for watching pixelated women move. In other words, I mean, the DLC is all outfits to dress up the virtual characters in. Um... It's real creepy. It's real fucked up. Um, and basically, it appears to be here coming from uh, the developers, um, Koi Temko, uh, that even though they're going to make a, a game that objectifies women in such an obscene and disgusting way, rather than not do that, they're just not going to release it where they reckon people will give a shit. Yeah, so rather than trying to address it, they're just going to hide it. They're just they're, they're just going to say we'll just release it where people want it. Yeah, um, and you guys can all fuck off and give out about it, but we don't care because we're not trying to ram it down your noses. We're just saying, okay, you don't want it, you don't have it. Um, wow, <laughs> was really my response yeah. uh, to all this. Um, and now that you've read it out, I can kind of understand why the internet and Mark Robinson were flipping out about it earlier um, makes a lot of sense yeah that's that is uh, real classy like they're not they're not even um, they don't even appear to be offering it as a digital release in North America uh, the Asian version will have an English option English option and the PS4 is region free um, so they're basically kind of you know well if you really want it come get it um like it's kind of I don't know like where to really go with this I mean the arguments about representation of ladies in video games in general and culture like I mean 
There's an entire show to be open about that. Tell you what, folks, open an internet and have a look. You, yeah. you you'll find you'll find some information in that. Like you, you know, I think we could stay here for the rest of our lives talking about that. Like, but I mean, you know, I throw on my two cents and think that the very concept of the game itself is disgusting. Uh, and I think it's really pathetic. Uh, this kind of tactic to kind of say, yeah, no, we don't want to have the debate. We're still going to release the game. So just. Go away, leave us alone. <laughs> yeah, um, to say the very least, not the game for me. No, uh, and not the game. I think, uh, from what I know of, uh, for the people who listen to this, either. Oh, hopefully, I can't tell you the immense pride I feel of saying <laughs> that. Well done, link to the cast listeners. Um, yeah, so that's. Whew, where do you really go from there? I know to Mark Robinson. <laughs> <laughs> On his Oriental Odyssey, yeah? Yeah. Let's find out if Mark has been experiencing any jiggly sand this week. Let's go to the Mark Robinson Oriental Odyssey news update. Let's say China. 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 You know, this week on the Mark Robinson Oriental Odyssey news update, I'm just going to start by saying how proud I am that I think we've done that I've said that name for the feature on several shows now, and I don't think I fucked it up yet because it like well, it's, now quite, it's quite unwieldy. And as I'm saying it, I always think to myself, "This is the time where you're going to say something mad and just like run two or three of the words together, and everything's going to go." But um, the main thing I asked Mark, right? Allow me to quote for you. Um. I, I just got open a message for Mark. This is so professional. But I, yeah. I didn't have that ready to go. Like I had that uh, story about DOA ready to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just grab that. And well, this is actually something that I could have prepared earlier. It's not like something like... <laughs> All right, Doreen team. Allen. Hey. Right. Um, yes. I said to him, as I often do, I will send him a message a couple of hours before we record to try and get some ad-libbed thoughts from him. I said to him, any thoughts for me to convey on your behalf on the show? To which he replies, yeah, dot, dot, dot. Can someone send me a turkey sandwich? <laughs> Full stop. Not a question. Specifically, uh, the M&S turkey sandwiches. Yes, he's been going mad about it. Yeah, I saw there. that. Yeah, and the face. Just realised, while he's already over there several months now, just realised the other day, oh shit, can't get Christmas sandwiches. The worst part is, like, I'm not, like, I've never bought a Christmas sandwich. I have made Listen, them. Man. I have constructed them myself. With They're them, better that way, obviously. my man hands. Yeah. Um, and I, I was thinking, well, that's actually a great way to get rid of our stuff from Practice Christmas this year. Let us explain Practice Christmas, because that sounds weird out of context. <laughs> I've just realised in saying that. <laughs> It's going to sound weird in context, but basically, uh, the three of us that live here, yourself, myself and Dan, and our two friends, Tom and Ben, uh, started a tradition last year where we all tend to go away for Christmas, go back to our family homes. But we love each other very much. Um, and we kind of leave a couple of days, before, well, I leave a couple of days before Christmas. The rest I'll be of here kind of just leave this Christmas year. Eve, yeah. Um, so for us to kind of get together, I decided last year I was going to make a fake Christmas dinner. We'd have practice Christmas. so we'd act Real like food, a- not fake food now. No, real. Goddamn real food and so much of it. Um, so last year I said, right, okay, we'll, we'll do this thing. We'll make, like I made a full three-course meal. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, four to five of us uh, ate an embarrassing amount of food. 
I remember, oh God, the pile of times. meat that was left at the end was Couldn't just Couldn't believe we so much meat left over. <laughs> and we're going to do the same this year. I yeah. fully know it. But yeah, basically, like it's a fun time. So that's that's what happens at practice Christmas. And hopefully now that uh, Mark is looking at coming over to our shores, he can experience a practice Christmas uh, for himself. Uh, and we won't just have to... I, I have a feeling that if like we're sitting down and say a couple of beverages have been taken throughout the evening and we're feeling a little giddy, we may construct sandwiches and just send him pictures of sandwiches. <laughs> oh, how we just watch us feeding the cat sandwiches. a sandwich. <laughs> You're a cruel bastard. A sandwich the size of your head going towards a kitten. <laughs> Remind me never to cross you. <laughs> no, I'm just saying that's like I can see, you know, the mob mentality of when a bunch of people get together and go, oh, it's really funny we did this, even though it's really mean. And then everyone goes, yeah. <laughs> and then you want to do it to win approval and everybody will like you then. I'm basically explaining that's how human works I'm basically explaining adolescence is what I'm doing um, anyway that was a very uh, that was a very us oriented edition of the Mark Robinson Oriental Odyssey News update um, that's pretty much it for him for this week there's not we've been talking a lot but nothing about kind of but yeah, if you're if you're a really interesting, ad, if you're a really avid fan of Mark, if you're one of Mark's fanboys or fangirls if you're a Mark for Mark uh, oh <laughs> Oh, oh, I'm bleeding internally. <laughs> <laughs> you know, maybe maybe you can arrange for him to have a sandwich. Yeah. Get to him at Lithium Project, Project on Twitter. And if you can't post him a sandwich, by the way, his address is obviously Mark Robinson, Care of China. <laughs> uh, they'll get it to him. It's it's quite a small rinky-dink country. It's like everybody knows each other. It's actually quite like a, like a small village. It's like Timahoe, basically. <laughs> um, everybody knows each other. Um... So yeah, just if you can't send him a sandwich, maybe go on, sympathise with him. Uh, send him a picture of a sandwich. He definitely listens to this show, so I can't really say, let's all collude and be really nice and tweet him and say, oh, all the sandwiches are shite this year. <laughs> because he'll never buy it now. He'll know we've all gotten together on this. But if you try if you try to be really convincing, maybe he'll just want to believe it. Um, so we'll see what happens there. So yeah, from Mark, that's kind of, that's it for the week. Send sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, send sandwiches urgently. <laughs> Um, so without further ado then we're going to uh, go to our last part of the show this week uh, as is tradition and that would be the yeah sorry I thought this I thought the fucking thing stopped there for a second this is the thing this this is the thing about recording audio is that sometimes you see like a little flat line come across and you're like oh Jesus but no we're good so we're going to move into the book club this week it's Brian's turn with the book club and he's doing a little game might have heard of it might have heard of him talk about the franchise a little bit here and there Uh, I can't imagine when like not a breeze Uh, this week we're going to do Fallout 3 War. War never changes. Since the dawn of humankind, when our ancestors first discovered the killing power of rock and bone, blood has been spilled in the name of everything from God to justice to simple psychotic rage. In the year 2077, after millennia of armed conflict, the destructive nature of man could sustain itself no longer. The world was plunged into an abyss of nuclear fire and radiation. But it was not 
As some had predicted, the end of the world. Instead, the apocalypse was simply the prologue to another bloody chapter of human history. For man had succeeded in destroying the world, but war, war never changes. Right, well, I'm going to open our talk about Fallout 3 with an homage to another podcast that you're quite a fan of. Liam Neeson's cock <laughs> is so big. <laughs> wow. Out of context, that's a dinger, that one. <laughs> Liam Neeson's cock is so big. How big is it? <laughs> See, I'm doing it the whole bit. When he walks around a corner erect, Fallout 4 players think a cutscene with a behemoth is about to happen. It's so niche. Show's <laughs> over, folks. That's you've it. Got that, you've got that, that sweet Venn diagram where one <laughs> circle is fallout humour and the other one is listeners to Hollywood Babylon. <laughs> it's a small intersection, but it's one that's richly appreciated by those who are in it. I got nothing else. That's it. I, that's two it, two hours friend. it took me. Okay, well, one. thank you for joining us this week. <laughs> um, but seriously, uh, yeah. Um, fallout 3. What a game. Classic game. Um, I'm not going to go into too much detail about the story and that because even though it's an old game if you've played it you know the story you don't need to hear me talk about it if you haven't played it you're hearing all this talk about Fallout 4 people freaking out you're listening to me gibber uh, incessantly and be boring on our what have you been playing this week um, you don't know the story I'm not going to ruin it for you I'm going to try and not be Captain Spoilers I'm just going to talk generally about kind of the game itself um, so it came out in 2008 Wow. <laughs> That's a long time ago. Yeah. I was only in second year in college, and now I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> We're so old, man. Oh, my God. Um, yes. Yeah. need a moment to deal with that. <laughs> Came out in 2008. You silent weeping as Brian's talking. That's what that is. <laughs> Me coming to terms with my own fucking mortality. <laughs> so, yeah. PS3, Xbox 360, PC. Um, from Bethesda Game Studios. And uh, just address briefly... First game in the franchise from Bethesda. Third game in the franchise. Not obviously the first, but the rebirth, you could call it, of the franchise. Um, as an aside, if you're curious about kind of the history of the franchise... How and I am. And you are. Well, I'm not going to talk about it. Fuck. Uh, I thought I was. I thought you wanted me to tee no, up for that. Jesus. I didn't. Um, <laughs> we need to rehearse this shit more. <laughs> um, there is. It's pointless because IGN have an incredibly detailed and engrossing, really a really good read article about the history of the franchise. I don't know. I oh, I thought, I thought you had it open. Didn't see the name. No, I didn't. Don't have in front of me. I was a Jared Petty. Uh, Reverend. <laughs> Possibly, but it's it's a really good read, and I mean. It's really fascinating to see how the game, you know, the the IP has travelled. Um, false starts, games that never happened, games that were apparently almost completely made and never saw the light of day. Uh, if you think that the whole movie rights business with Marvel uh, is messed up and complicated, oh, you're in for a treat here. Um, but yeah, the rebirth of the franchise, just to mention, first two third-person is- isometrics, um text heavy uh, detailed games taking place in the fallout wasteland um, post nuclear apocalypse we all kind of know this but they're all post nuclear apocalypses um, and yeah then kind of after years of that Bethesda got their claws into it good in a good way and uh, brought us fallout 3 uh, third slash first person 
Um, RPG game, well, I mean, you hear the term um, FPS RPG and FPS game with RPG elements. This is like the other way around. It's an open world RPG with FPS elements. Um, you basically, you take on your character as a vault dweller, as per usual, and Liam Neeson is your da. It's great. You are literally, and it's not a spoiler, but you are born into this world in the opening cutscene, into the hands and the soothing voice of Liam Neeson. Now listen, they're going to take you. (laughs) (laughs) Well, in this game, Liam Neeson gets, well, no, he didn't get taked, but... He got uh, tucketed. Not so much, well, kind of, but you have to basically go after him. You have to go all Brian Mills on the wasteland and hunt down your dad. Um, Kill the wasteland instead of Europe. (laughs) Pretty much, yeah. Um, That article, by the way, uh, just so that I'm not... uh, constantly cutting across to you. The original text of that uh, IGN presents the history of Fallout article. Uh, the original text was by Russ McLaughlin and updates for 2015 uh, were put in by Rowan Kaiser. It's a really good read. Highly recommended. Um, so yeah, it is, you know, in the form of most open world games and if you're familiar with the, the Bethesda era of the Fallout franchise, you know, you have your main overarching quest, you have your open world and you have umpteen fucking side quests you have easter eggs you've got a vibrant world to visit now vibrant in the sense that everything is kind of sea green grey uh, sea green and grey uh, in the game which you know if we ever get around to doing a kind of a review of Fallout 4 we'll talk about colour change and that like but mm. at the same time a really engrossing where you lose yourself for hours and hours and hours Um Specials, perks, vats, sing along if you know the words. You know, you've seen it, you've kind of seen it all before, really. And I mean, if you haven't, the viral marketing for Fallout 4, those cute little special videos, information things, you've kind of seen the information there. Um, interesting kind of points I came across doing my research for this one. We all know Bethesda with their love of big name voice actors. Yeah. Uh, You've got your Liam Neeson, who I've mentioned. You've got your Ron Perlman, your Ron fuck mothering Perlman. Yeah. Because war never changes. Uh, and you've got Malcolm McDowell in there as well as NK mm-hmm. President uh, Eden. Um, bum, bum, bum. Uh, interesting kind of elements of kind of the game, kind of things that kind of jarred against, like my first time playing it, you know, I didn't know what to expect at all. You know, it was my first kind of play of fallout or any kind of fallout game i you know i played oblivion i'd seen what that was like i'd enjoyed it and i'd picked up this you know oblivion with guns um i got really hacked off when you finished the main storyline the game ended man i got so hacked off yeah um this was something that like when we were going to do fallout 3 i was like well this is something i want to talk about is like the idea that once you beat the main part of the game no go backsies yeah it's just over. It's just over. Like, and it's, it's which I'd say has got to be particularly infuriating for somebody like you who likes to do all the side quests. Yes, yeah. and I didn't know, David. Yeah, I didn't know. Maybe this is what has gotten you into the whole like, because you're very much in the mindset now where you do as many of the side quests as possible before beating the game. Like, still Shadow of Mordor sitting there. Yeah. You did beat the campaign on Far Cry Four, didn't you? Yes. Oh, you got the problem. I got the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you definitely did. But yeah, there's a few games now where you have kind of been doing so many side quests and never beaten the main game. Still, 
Mordor being the one that really sticks in my craw. Poor Lance. But I wonder, has that come from? It's quite likely. It was. It was really kind of because I'd really enjoyed it. I'd loved kind of every minute of it. There hadn't been, you know, as we said before, like I, I've never been prone to experiencing bugs in Bethesda games. Other people find, um, and I, I enjoyed every minute of it. You know, uh, hanging out with Liam Neeson, uh, being in you know the post-apocalypse, blasting the shit out of things with my laser rifle. Big fan of the laser rifle, um, and then this kind of caught me now. I mean. I fell into the trap again in New Vegas, even though I should have known, but I didn't. Um, and I mean, it does prompt you, you know, you go back and you start again. And it's a replayable experience I've always found with it. Um, you know, I have, for most of my kind of Bethesda games, I have multiple primary saves for different, not even really different, like, I'm, I'm not in the kind of sense that I change up the character around like that because you build as you probably know from all these you, you build your character you build your stats and you customise yourself including appearance now I, I never make huge changes I just and I never make huge different choices I just go and experience it all again mm. and be just a little bit better a little bit more informed and kind of have kind of a smoother experience and I'm as crippled by the indecision that strikes me when I'm faced with a decision in a Fallout game it's like oh my god what do I do who do I side with do I kill this person what would happen if I kill this person you know oh my god this this is an enemy with an actual name am I supposed to go somewhere do a quest and come back and talk to this person instead of running now and blow their head off Um, but it's all part of the experience um, of Fallout Um, it offended everybody did you know that Um, was it the drug use so yeah, offended Australia. Australia with the this drug. This was one of the early examples of Australia people having to change their game because Australia don't allow explicit drug use or promotion. And there's so um, much drug use. Something that follow. like something that uh, the likes of Saints Row and Manhunt and Grand Theft Auto have also had issues with. Uh, yeah. But like you, like I don't know if you've dabbled much in the chems. In uh, the Fallout world, because I tend to avoid them. Again, this is like Fallout, like uh, I might have at the time in Fallout. But even now, in your your Fallout Four, no, like, I, mean, I can't even say like I'm not that far at all. Like I haven't reached anything particularly challenging that might require me to use chems. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like some people, like I mean, Vice had an article there with uh, one of their guys who played through it as a drug addict, uh, who literally took all of the drugs. I uh, was completely addicted to everything and one of the lines at some times I just took all of the drugs I did that a lot and then eventually his character had a great uh, kind of little internal arc where he cleaned his, up his act and everything like that but um, yeah it offended the shit out of Australia for the drug addiction it offended India okay why did it offend India because you know the two headed mutant cows in Fallout oh, they're called Brahmins oh, yes yeah that didn't go down well David yeah, I have a list of the people that got offended here. Uh, you've looked at... I'm, gonna, I'm on the uh, Fallout wiki. <laughs> Alright, because I have just one more name... Wikipedia is on fallout.wiki.com. Yeah, because uh, I got this on Wikipedia, and there's just one more name that I have on my list of people got offended. Yeah. Japan. Yeah. Because of the fat Nukes. Yeah. And nukes in general. The whole Megaton quest line where you have to either disarm or blow up a town with a nuke. Not too keen on the whole nuclear aspect of a, a post-nuclear well, wasteland. Calling it Fat Man, I think, is the yeah. real, you know, considering, you know, the unpleasantness, yeah. shall we say. Um, I also have, um, I have the thing about Australia um, and about how, like, beca- uh, was it uh, on September 2008, Bethesda Vice President of PR Marketing, Peter Hines, has described the idea of a censored Australian version 
of Fallout 3 is a misconception. All versions of Fallout 3 no longer include real-world drug references. Morphine was changed to what is now Medex mm-hmm. uh, because of the whole controversy with Japan. Um, they had to... What is it? Uh, the game was refused classification due to the realistic visual representations of drugs and their delivery method bringing the science fiction drugs in line with real-world drugs. Um... Germany got annoyed about it as well, too really? gory, so they had to edit out oh, some of, of course, the gory Germany, in, too gory. in Germany. Yeah, they didn't like, obviously, the bloody mess perk that makes enemies explode. Uh, no, probably not. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it offended everybody. It, it offended everybody. Um, it didn't offend me. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, if you look at kind of now the way, like, you know, the whole viral marketing, viral marketing up to Fallout 4, the, the E3 kind of mic drop, oh yeah, it's coming out in couple of months. Uh wasn't yeah. E3, it was on its own. Did we watch it up here? I thought it was E three that they announced it. No, we watched a special presentation of it here. Remember you were sitting I had the HDMI cable from my laptop. But that was, was the trailer, wasn't it? No, well that was the the date as well. We didn't know when it was coming out. Alright. They um what did they do uh there was that whole big long thing it with was Tim right Howard. before because they showed footage at E three. Yeah and But the actual trailer saying it was this year. Oh yeah. I'm pretty sure was when we watched it here I could be wrong the please stand by yeah yeah. because oh, so um, we definitely watched that trailer that that was the first thing we saw we did the bathroom. It, and it was up here yeah um, it was the day we did the bathroom it was yeah yeah we took a break yeah that's right um, and then I ended up having yes, to go watch it on YouTube yeah my apologies for interrupting you um, yeah no I've kind of like run out of steam here um, like I mean it, it it's become a powerhouse franchise and by doing it you know there's only been three Bethesda games there's been Fallout 3 Fallout New Vegas and now Fallout 4 mm-hmm. uh, New Vegas like I love Fallout 3 New Vegas stole my heart um, I absolutely adore the story in New Vegas I bought all the DLC I've played it I think about four or five times through uh, and there is still from when I purchased my PS4 uh, I final ultimate playthrough sitting there when I was finally going to accomplish absolutely everything mm-hmm. in one playthrough uh, that you can um, the other kind of elements of file games as well is the notion that um, unlike some games with kind of not even a moral choice system but where your choices really do have consequences um, like I found like kind of say if you play like a Bethesda uh, fantasy game play a Skyrim play an Oblivion you can kind of have your cake and eat you can do a bit of everything they don't really have factions they have the guilds and all that for the, the character types in the Fallout games you have your factions you make your choices and you alienate people Yeah, you do like I mean when you decide to side with somebody you can't side with their avowed enemies hence my crippling indecision playing Fallout 4 uh, now for the first time is like oh god who do, who do I say at what point am I going to have to make a call here yeah, you feel like the prettiest girl at the dance yeah because uh, you don't want to miss out because there are benefits to you know uh, each one you side with like look at New Vegas where um, you can completely destroy the Brotherhood of Steel or you can side with the Brotherhood of Steel and join up with them if you don't join up with them you can't get the power armor perk to be able to use power, power armor because power armor was different back then uh, in the olden times, David. Um, you know, so there's a real kind of sense that you're properly having an effect on the game world. That You know, your choices are making a difference. And I mean, you know, if you go around and play the character where you go and just shoot everybody and rob all their shit from their dead bodies, yeah. like, you'll miss out on side quests because people will be dead and won't be able to give you their side, their quest that they want you to do. Yeah. Um, and it's a real kind of... Tailorable is not the right word, but... 
you can have a really unique experience compared to other people. I mean, you and I will have very different experiences playing Fallout 4 mm. simply because of the way that we approach these games. Yeah. You know? And not just in terms of the fact that I'll do all the side quests and you might not. Yeah. Um, have you any questions for me, David, about Fallout? Here's one that yeah. I thought of and I made a kind of gesture during it because I remembered oh, something. Um, Fallout 3 uh, brought in a system that some people love, some people not so much. Talking about VATs. VATs 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 in Fallout 3 is the Vault Tech Assisted Targeting System and it is what it says in the tin you can basically one of your stats um, one of your kind of in some games fantasy games you have mana for your your magic um, or stamina in a lot of in a lot of games as well in Fallout you have action points and so your action points, they affect, you know, you sprint until you run out of action points, like you'd run out of stamina. But action points have a much more interesting use in VATs. When you're in combat, you pop into VATs, uh, one of the bumper buttons usually, uh, on console, and time freezes. I... Uh, time froze in the old ones yeah in Fallout 4 in Fallout 4 time down. does not freeze no. oh no you, I learned that the hard way Don't time does not freeze <laughs> yeah it's a, it's, a, it's bullet time really in that but in the other ones it pretty much froze yeah uh, and you could take your time pretty much and what you can do is then you can highlight enemies and if there are multiple enemies you can highlight a particular one say the one that's shooting at you with a sniper rifle um, to get their really good aim shot at them while they were running at you with an axe you can just blow away at close range you don't really have to aim and you can target body parts so you can go for headshots. You can take out a leg so they can't charge at you if, if it's a, a melee character, uh, melee enemy. And uh, your action points then are what you spend to get those shots, those targeted shots in. And the type of weapon that you'll use will determine how much the action point cost is. So if you pop into Vats with a snippet of the pistol in your hand, you'll get a whole load of shots, targeted shots with the pistol. You pop in with an anti-material rifle or a sniper rifle, you'll find you get a lot less. Yeah, uh, but they're higher damage shots and then you key up and you say I'm going to target this guy's leg this guy's head and then you confirm your shots and then you go into a kind of cool little cutscene bullet slow motion thing where you basically take the shots take them down you have a chance of getting a critical hit you also have a chance of missing you've also got a chance of missing Vats is not guaranteed to hit yeah they'll give you percentage figures for each body part as to how likely it is you're going to hit them <laughs> so Say yours, uh, you're floating around like a 20% chance of a headshot. Well, if you've got five action points to use, then use all five in the head. You're going to get one headshot and probably kill them then. Mm. And it will show you how much damage you're going to do with your shot. Yeah. So you will see as well, like, you know, here's a here's a leg. It's a kind of, you know, here's the health bar for his leg. You take the shot of the leg, you'll take out a quarter of his overall health and you could knock off the rest of the health on that leg so then he's crippled and falls over and can't charge at you with his big axe um, and then of course you have your percentage point if you get the hit so it's all about playing the average having a strategy having tactics um, and as the, uh, the the wiki page points out for VATS uh, there's a 15% boost in the chance for a critical hit in VATS mode but at the same time weapons degrade at four times the regular rate which I did not know that was yeah the other games that's the thing they've gotten rid of as well with Fallout 4 is weapon degra- degradation yeah uh, I don't Sometimes I enjoy weapon degradation. It really, in some really game. depends. Yeah, it's it's like, a very uh, hit and miss kind of thing. In Dying Light, I really enjoy it. Yeah, it's challenging and also forces you to start crafting real sorts of fucked up weapons. Yeah. Um. In 
Fallout, not in so much. Last of Us, it's so fucking stressful. Yeah. It is so stressful. It just, like, it freaks the shit out of me. In Fallout, it's just tedious. Yeah. Um, because in Fallout, like, unlike, say, in um, <coughs> Dying Light, where you have to, um, you know, you, you're called upon to use your ingenuity to craft things. Uh, Dead Island was similar as well. You ingenuity to craft interesting and exotic weapons. And because there was so many ways you could do it, so many different kinds of weapons lying around, you wouldn't necessarily keep a weapon for a whole long, lot, a uh, very long amount of time before you found a better one and ditched it. Because Fallout is a full-on RPG with an inventory and where you'll collect endless amounts of stuff and keep it or sell it or that, when you find a good weapon, you'll want to hold on to it. Mm. And then the weapon degradation becomes very annoying because then you have to find either pay through the nose in those games in in-game currency of, of bottle caps to get it repaired, or find more of the same weapon to repair it with. Here's one for you. This is an interesting fact here about uh, Fallout Three. The original inspiration for the VAT system was Burnout's crash replays. <laughs> there you go, Burnout, fucking classic series. Something we should revisit at some point. Indeed, Burnout games were class. Sorry. I remember I once got you know what's that skateboarding thing where you honey talk <laughs> no you know that skateboarding thing where you kind of hop up on a rail and then go along grind. it what you grind, grind on it yeah. yeah I once got a crash in a, one of the burnout games where it went into slow motion and I basically hopped up off a barrier went into the air and did a grind with the car along the top of a massive billboard sign wow they really have everything in those fallout games no this is in <laughs> I know <laughs> Listen, if you can do a sides, I can do a sides, all right? <laughs> Tangent cast. I'm finished now, anyway. Um, I'm just going to read out, and uh, before I turn to you for final thoughts, I'm just going to uh, read out the bit here on the Fallout wiki about um, the kind of the critical reception at the time. Uh, Leonard Boyarski, one of the creators of the original Fallout, when asked about Interplay's sale of rights to Bethesda, said he felt as though our ex-wife had sold our children that she had legal custody of, admitting that he feels very possessive of the series, but also admitted that his concerns had nothing to do with Bethesda. Considerable concern was also raised by some members of the series' fan community, largely concerning major changes in gameplay style compared to the original series' games and Fallout 3's similarities to Oblivion. The reaction from the press, however, was largely positive, with many considering the shift to first-person view and real-time combat an update, uh, and with most considering the similarities to Oblivion to be a good thing. In Mm. a review from 1up.com, Fallout 3 was praised for its open-ended gameplay and flexible character leveling system. Its memorable setting prompted a a favourable comparison to the 2007 game Bioshock. While the VAT system was called fun, enemy encounters were said to suffer from a lack of precision in real-time combat and little variety in enemy types. The review concluded that despite the game's shortcomings, Fallout 3 is a hugely ambitious game that doesn't come around very often, and that one would be a fool not to play it and enjoy the hell out of it. Sales for Fallout 3 thus far have been very high, and figures suggest that the game outsold all previous games in the Fallout series within its first week. Fallout 3 won several special awards uh, following its showcasing at E3 2007. IGN gave it Game of the E3 2007 (laughs) award, and GameSpot gave it Best RPG at E3 2007. Following game's demonstration at E3 2008, IGN also gave it Best Overall RPG, Best Overall Console Game, and Overall Game of the Show 2008. Games Critics Award gave the game Best Role-Playing Game and Best of the Show for E3 2008. So it's safe to say it's um, 
I forgot I had another page of notes ready, pros and cons. It was a hit, and that's exactly what I'm going to come down to, come down to you now. So, Brian, if we're to boil this uh, some 25 minutes of uh, waxing lyrical... Really? Wow. Uh, well, nearly, 23. Didn't think I'd get that long. Um, of waxing lyrical. If you were to boil it down into a convenient list of pros and cons, what would you say? Okay. Um, well, my first three are just, it's massive. Yeah. So you get your money's worth. Jesus, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> um, put it away. Uh, it's a huge game. Like, I mean, they've gotten progressively bigger, I find, especially when you add on the DLC uh, to uh, Fallout 3 in New Vegas. But they're huge games. You are not going to play through this quickly. Uh, we've kind of mentioned about, you know, how long I'm going to be playing Fallout 4. Yeah, you'll uh, not be seen again. No. Uh, it's big. It's going to be real hard for you when Just Cause comes out. Yeah. And you're playing two massive games at the same time. Yeah, it's going to be tricky. Uh, it's an RPG. Now, for me, that's, you know, you've already got me interested when I say RPG. There will be other people like me. I'm not alone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we are Legion. You're kind of rarely come out during the day, but <laughs> you're not alone. Um, the quality and depth of the story. Yeah. Like, I mean, even the side quests are, you know... Even, like, there, there's very little in the way of your generic fetch quest. And even when there is something that is essentially a fetch quest, there's a story. There are named characters with character traits and, and motivations and that. Um, uh, you know, when you go around doing jobs for them, like, you know, there is a payoff for it. And you, there's more than just go here, kill these dudes, get the EXP from a comeback, turn it in, get more EXP, level up, continue on to the next one. Like, they're intricate, detailed, and detail-oriented story. And it's a detail-oriented game. Um, success. Uh, like as we we're talking about, it's a big. It was a big success. It reinvigorated the franchise. Uh, it took it in a new direction. It was reborn. Uh, the franchise was in a good way. Like not saying there was nothing wrong with the two original ones, but I don't think, given the way gaming has gone, I don't think if the this month gone by, they released Fallout Four and it was still a third person isometric in the mold of the original two. I don't think people would have been freaking out about it. You know, I think yeah. like you know, I like and I bought Wasteland Two, yeah, and I and I'm enjoying Wasteland Two. I have gone back to it once or twice since, but it's like it's there on my shelf. It's kind of waiting for me to have time to probably sit down and engross myself in because that's what's going to be required of it. Yeah, um, but you know that wasn't a triple A release. Mm. You know, and I mean, not to say that they should have sold out and they were right to sell out. I don't think they sold out because it's still quite a unique experience and it's a lot far cry from. You know, annual installments of Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, and the last brought Liam Neeson. <laughs> Obviously. Obviously. Uh, cons. Um, it's an open world game, but it is restrictive. There is a hard level cap, and when you finish the main story, the game ends, as we discussed. Yeah. Uh, so be warned, anybody who hasn't played it and might pick it up, just be really prepared for that. Um, and the same for New Vegas the same again uh, you mentioned it there in the criticism the combat in Fallout 3 is not great yeah. like the, the VATS is fun to play with and use and that like but in general the kind of the move and shoot the FPS elements of this RPG game they are elements like it is an RPG game with FPS elements and that's a key thing like when people say like oh it's a, it's an FPS with RPG elements and they say like you know there's they're kind of there's not a whole lot going on here you can't do a huge amount like look at Bioshock like I mean the RPG elements of that aren't huge 
you know, and they're in some ways they're restrictive. Uh, infinite, where you could only have the two guns, which I really didn't like. Um, but yeah, and there's that, and then there's bugs. There is the classic issue of Bethesda bugs in big Bethesda games. Yeah. Um, I was, as like I said, kind of at the start. Um, it's a huge game. It's going to happen. It's not a blank slate. It's not carte blanche, but it is. You know. I'm not going to slam them over it in the way that, say, if a comparative AAA release of a, of a like a Call of Duty FPS game was riddled with bugs. You know, that's a series of well-rendered corridors that you walk down. You know, it's it's a different beast. Mm. So, you know, I, I think like a little bit of leeway is kind of okay in terms of the bugs. Not carte blanche. I do expect there should be patches. Not expect in the sense that I'm expecting to do it, but as in... I expect and demand patches for known bugs that are identified the way that, say, the CD Projekt Red have been doing updates galore uh, uh, patches. Still fix that fucking horse. No, but, I mean, the only way you're going to fix that horse, man, is with a Molotov. We're <laughs> uh, just flat out replacing it with Epona from Ocarina of Time. Yeah, uh, no horses were harmed in the making of this podcast. <laughs> and I did not spell with animal cruelty. <laughs> I'm not crook. Uh, that's me. I'm done. <laughs> In more ways than one. Stick a fork in you, you're done. Uh, Brian, the one thing remains, the thing I ask you every time, and clearly by the fact you close your notes, you never prepare for the very last question I ask you. Elevator pitch. In a couple of sentences, tell somebody who hasn't played Fallout 3 before, who uh, didn't play it in preparation for this book club, why they should pick it up today. Give me a second here. I ask you every time. And I forget everything, man. I forget. You know I forget everything. I don't know. Remember that time I went to get those plates? <laughs> oh, and then, yeah, yeah. Man, I'm going to go get some plates. 45 you, seconds there. Man, yeah, sorry, you, I just went to you, get some plates. You told me, I was standing outside my room. You told me you were going to get some plates. You walked into your room. Or no, you walked downstairs, got the plates. Then came back upstairs to tell me you had gotten the plates, forgetting you had told me you were going to get the plates. It was a special moment for you. I'm talented. Elevator pitch. Elevator pitch. Um, iconic sci-fi slash post-apocalypse uh, open-world RPG with FPS elements. Um, trailblazer of a fantastic franchise... And you should play it because Liam Neeson. I, I, you knew. I was just like, I knew the very end. You're just gonna like build to Liam Neeson as we all should. I was just gonna, you know, blow out with Liam Neeson and just say that, and that's it. But you know, I thought um, I'd make an effort. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that, Brian. Um, and I suppose now it's time to start wrapping things up. And this is normally the point at which I would announce, yeah, uh, announce next week's game for the book club. But I actually have an announcement to make, and that's that we're going to change things up for the next few weeks. We're getting towards the end of the year, and that means we're going to be doing our Christmas special, which will be the Game of the Year edition, so we can sign off for a week or so and take a week off over the Christmas and New Year's, because we'll barely be home and you'll be working Christmas hours and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, so I think um, building towards a Christmas episode that will be uh, released at some point over that period... Um, what we're going to do in the weeks leading up is um, I we've started compiling behind the scenes here at Link to the Cast. We've started compiling a list of uh, awards like and nominees for the end of the year. And what we're going to do for the book club for the rest of the year 
I will get to in a second. But what I want to talk about first is the actual awards, the categories we have developed so far. And I really do want to hear feedback from anyone on Twitter or anyone who wants to email us at linktothecast.gmail.com. And of course, Twitter is at linktothecast. And of course, Brian, who hasn't uh, probably looked at it before today or... Um, the other the, today. The, the other people who are shared into it like we're going to start building this together maybe add a few categories and stuff like that but I'm just going to I'm not going to give the nominees but I will give the categories so far I want to leave a little bit of suspense in there the categories we've definitely nailed on so far and by the way one of the things like if people want to tweet in or email in I will totally accept new categories we haven't thought of because like I've only thought of a few here and I want to fill up a whole Christmas special where we're just talking about this and we're hopefully hopefully going to get Mark on to actually host it so we're trying to figure out how can we get Mark involved when he hasn't played half the fucking games because he's been gone for most of the year or nearly half the year at this point um, so I thought the best way to do it was to get him on to chair and moderate us arguing and bickering about what's a better game you know so the and it's obviously Fallout 4 in the categories we have so far are game of the year which is an obvious one then multiplayer game of the year uh, best console exclusive game of the game of the year uh, best game soundtrack and my favourite the Konami Corner Award for Ineptitude in Video Games <laughs> a prestigious award a prestigious award it's got a fucking it's right brand name it's right there with the Razzies <laughs> uh, it is the Razzies of the Link to the Cast end of year awards so yeah that's the kind of stuff we're going to be doing for the book club between now and then I thought it would be an idea to week by week go through our games of the year until then now we have quite a list I'm going to remove two of them straight away because we have... Is it two of them we're removing? Yeah. Two of them because we've already talked about them ad nauseum. So two that are nominees that I'm going to announce now because we're not going to talk about them again in between now and the show are Batman Arkham Knight, which myself and Mark on a previous episode uh, discussed for nearly an hour. So I think we can safely say we've covered all the points on Batman. Uh, so we can leave that, especially because you haven't used to love him gotten close to beating Batman nope. so which you probably quest. you're probably going to need to play a little bit of before Christmas to remind quest, yourself man. before we start yeah before we start uh, arguing this out or at least watch the cutscenes on YouTube or something um, and then the other one is The Witcher 3 which we did last week um, so we kind of there's no point in doing book club feature about Witcher when we've already done one there's no point in doing a book club about Arkham Knight for now anyway because we've so recently like I think it was one of the last shows before Mark went we talked it out for about an hour um, so week by week hopefully we'll get all of them done There's a, there could be a couple of weeks here where we cram two together and do a double feature um, but we'll see how regular we are between now and then like hopefully neither of us get a flu and delay an episode by two weeks again but we'll see you know things happen life gets in the way sometimes so I'm going to start things off and I'm going to pick I'm just looking at our game of the year list here at least the ones we have uh, tentatively assembled for it. I'm going to pick one that isn't on the list that I forgot to put on it Keep me in suspense, like. I will. So our first Game of the Year book club for next week, where we're going to talk about one of the best games of the year, and I think it's one you're going to agree on. It's one that Order are going to... Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, no, one of the games we're going to talk about, um, and it's one I've been dying to get into to talk about at length, pun intended, because it's Dying Light. So our first nominee for Game of the Year that we haven't talked about yet and we are going to talk about in our book club feature next week is Dying Light. And it'll be great because the it's a nice ramp up to when that DLC comes out as well. So I think it's very kind of like appropriate to the time. And you know, there's no more festive game on the planet. 
than uh, <laughs> than dying light. So yeah, says that's Christmas what we're going to do for the next week. I'd appreciate like a lot of feedback. Um, if anybody wants to throw feedback, see what they think of this idea. If they have any ideas for what? Do we, we get feedback as it is? Do. Oh yeah, we do. Yeah, no, we we like if we hang me out to dry. Yes, here are the people who have given us feedback. <laughs> yeah, no, we do. Like uh, the, the people who follow us on Twitter and stuff like that are really good at responding, like and telling us, you know, oh, I'm loving the show, things like that. So I do appreciate that. Um, and like I kind of I think um, we might have had more robust uh, correspondence if we had ever encouraged correspondence at this point but usually it's just I pimp all the stuff at the end give out all the addresses and then ah fuck off no we want to hear from you and I don't really I really should tweet more from that link to the cast account but I never do because I'm always fucking tweeting from my own account but uh, yeah, it's no, all about your own personal we, brand we David isn't it I know yeah all about hashtag the brand but um, yeah we, no, we do want to hear from people we do want to get feedback because it's the first time we've done one of these um, end of year specials and we would like to kind of involve um, ideas from uh, the wider kind of gaming community if we can kind of uh, give it that sort of term uh, but anyway um, so I'll wrap things up um, our website is linked to the cast.wordpress.com the twitter which I've already mentioned uh, twitter.com forward slash linked to the cast uh, we are uh, twitch tv forward slash linked to the cast which I really need to start doing some streams again um, we're on don't YouTube. cross the streams man we're on YouTube you can find us through the website uh, there because our YouTube URL is rubbish um, facebook.com slash link to the cast my uh, personal twitter account is at Dave Ryan IV Brian's is at Cargan C-A-R-G-I-N 4107 um, and the email address again yes link to the cast at gmail.com so for this week from myself Dave Ryan and from Brian McAdamara uh, goodbye and good luck good night